last week I, I spoke to you about the fact that uh, God gave a word to me. He said that you are the light of the world, and in you is no darkness nor shadow. We are the light of the world. And over the last few weeks, I've been talking about identity, if you think about it. Um, I don't have it in, in my Bible, I left it in the car, but it's, uh, I spoke to you about the are a child of God. You're an heir. I spoke to you about the fact that you are a royal priest. Our identity in, in Christ. And last week I spoke about being the, the light of the world. Today I want to talk to you, if you put that uh, slide up, I want to talk to you about manifesting the kingdom of God. If we are children of God, heirs, if we are royal priests, if we are, in fact, the light of the world, then what should we be doing in this world? We should be showing the world heaven through our, through our lives. And I want to talk to you about that for a minute. I, I showed you last week that Jesus gave us what we call the Great Commission. Essentially, it's our assignment. And we've been called to shine the light of heaven into every dark recess of, and corner of this world. And that we are light bearers of, of his light wherever we go. Therefore, you know, and, and, we've got, and because we've got his spirit in us, we host the presence of the light of the world in us. Therefore, wherever we go, there shouldn't be any darkness in us. We should be shining the light of the Spirit of Christ in, in us, out of us, wherever we go. And it should make a difference in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, you know, in our communities. We walk in power and in love. What we did out there the last couple of nights was only an expression of God's love. We wanted people to have a safe environment for their children, to have a, a, you know, a, just a family-friendly thing that we could reach out and say, hey, Jesus loves you, we love you, and we're glad to do this. It costs us a lot of money to do that. But we do it. I mean, frankly, I look at the finances we've had this year. It's been a little tight. And you know, I could have easily said, we don't have the money for it this year. But you know what? God will find a way to make the money. And, and, you know, and, and, and even some guys got together and they uh, said, we're going to buy all the hot dogs so you can give hot dogs away. And I said, are you, are you out of your mind? I said, we could give 1,000 hot dogs. Eat, you know, we, we couldn't have enough hot dogs. They said, it'll be okay. I said, well, I'm just telling you. I mean, you don't know people that want 10, 15, 20 hot dogs. I mean, if there's no limit, I mean, right? I can eat <clears throat> one or two. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, that'd be okay. And, and we just limited it to one free one, and we didn't make a big deal about it. And I think we got hot dogs left over. We're going to have some for the, uh, for the hayride. But, uh, you know, but, but you know what? God provides. Even when we don't have any money, you know what? I serve a miracle-working God, and he told me to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into every dark corner of this world, and that's what we did over the last couple of nights. And so I want to talk to you, I want to develop this theme, this thought a little bit more, and I want to talk about, I want to talk about how to manifest heaven, manifest the kingdom of God. There was a Sunday school teacher one day, and she asked her students, she said, 
if, uh, if I sell all my possessions, if I sell my house, I sell my car, I sell my furniture, I sell all my clothes, all I get, and I give it away to the poor, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, will, can I get to heaven that way? And the whole class of little kids, five, six-year-olds, they go, no! Okay. She said, well, if I go to the church and, and I clean all the toilets and, and, and I vacuum the church and I keep it nice and tidy and neat and make it look really good and I work, you know, work my fingers to the bone in the church, will I get to go to heaven that way? And they said, no. And then she started to go off on one more. And, and, and she said, well, if, if, those don't, if those don't work, if I don't get to heaven by giving away all my money and doing stuff for the Lord, then how do I get to heaven? And one little five-year-old in the back of the room, you gotta be dead. <laughs> I, I guess that's right, you know, so. Unless you're, you know, Elijah or Enoch, I suppose, so. But, um, but we're supposed to be shining and exhibiting heaven here, right? Isn't that what it's about? He said, Lord, he told us to pray like this, Lord, you know, holy is your name, all this stuff, and your will be done on earth just like it's in heaven. Isn't that his will? I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. And I want to read to you this morning a story. It's about a man by the name of John. I think Pastor Dave preached from this uh, some time back, but he, uh, he's coming to the Jordan River, and uh, it says here in verse 1, when Jesus had finished giving orders to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in their town. So he'd sent them out before him, and uh, he'd, uh, he gave them authority over over all the demons. He told them, go into the, go into the cities and towns about where I'm about to come. So this was his advance troop, if you will, his advance group that they were going into the towns that Jesus was gonna come behind them. And he says, go in there and cast out demons, heal the sick, and preach that the kingdom of God has come near unto you. And he gave them his authority, his anointing, and they went and did that, okay? So now he's, he's following them. And... Um, John uh, heard in prison, we'll talk more about this in a moment, what the Messiah was doing, and so he sent a message by his disciples, and he asked him, are you the one to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the one? And Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. What you what? Hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk. Those with skin diseases are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news or preach the gospel. And if anyone is not offended because of me, he's blessed. Wow. And these men went away, John's disciples. And Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John, John the Baptist, of course. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man in luxurious clothing? A man with golden chains and, you know, did he look really good? Look, those who wear soft clothes are in king's palaces. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and far more than a prophet. 
This is the one written, it is written about in Isaiah. Look, behold, I am sending my servant ahead of you, my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way for you. So he's coming in the spirit of Elijah, preparing the way of the Messiah. And this is the verse I want to attract you to, your attention to most of all. And he says, I assure you, among those born of woman, women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. There has not been one person born until this moment in time greater than John the Baptist. Are you with me? Do you see that? There is nobody that's ever been born that is greater than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. And that's the theme I want to develop with you a little bit today. Then he finishes with, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been seizing it by force. Another version translation talks about, you know, the, the, the people are grabbing hold, are pushing their way into the kingdom. But I want to remember particularly that verse 11. So, little background. I always think it's important to understand the context. We find, we find this account of, of John the Baptist. John, we know, was Jesus' first cousin. He was a son of Elizabeth and Zacharias, a supernatural answer to prayer, really. He is the one that, recall, that you recall leapt in his mother's womb when Mary, Jesus' mother, walked in pregnant with Jesus. And um, John has been called, his, his anointing, his calling is to go and, and prepare the way of the Lord. And he's been preaching a baptism of repentance for sins. He's telling the, the Israel to change their ways because the Lord is coming. And we know as well that when John saw Jesus that day walking along the banks of the Jordan River, he points to him and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How do you think John got that revelation? By the Holy Spirit. Okay. John lived in the desert places along the, uh, you know, Jordan River, but down near the, uh, the Dead Sea. And uh, he was dressed in animal skins. It says he ate locusts and, and wild honey. He was away from the world. And he, when Jesus came, Jesus said, I, I need to be baptized by you. And John said, I don't want to baptize you. I'm not even worthy to untie your shoe. He, he, he told the people, there's one coming after me who is greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoe. But by this time, John, a preacher of righteousness, has rebuked the king. How many know that's not always a good idea? Herod has married his, his, brother's, his brother Philip's wife and uh, unlawful. And uh, John uh, insinuates himself in there and calls him to repentance and, and castigates him and and, of course, uh, Herod's wife Herodias is angry with John and convinces uh, Herod to throw John in prison. And while he's in this prison, he realizes he's not going to get out of it. He's going to die. This is a dark moment for John. 
This is a dark place. His faith is wavering. He's discouraged. He's depressed. And so he sends a couple of his followers, a couple of his disciples to go to Jesus and say, have I put my trust in you wrongly? Are you really the one? Are you the one? Are you really the Messiah we've been waiting for? See, John, like a lot of the rest of Israel, thought Messiah would come on a white charger leading a a forceful army and a powerful army that would overthrow the oppression from the Romans and, 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 and he would set up a, a kingdom there in Israel and, and it would, you know, they'd be free men again. They've been under oppression from, from so many people. So many, and, and now it seems like that's not what Jesus is doing and Jesus hasn't shown any sign that he has any intention of doing anything like that. So John is confused The revelation he got about Jesus came from the Holy Spirit, but now his faith in that revelation is wavering. Have you ever had a doubt? Is this real? Have I put my trust in the right right place? Is there really heaven? Is there really a God? Is Jesus really the Son of God? That's where John is. And so he sends a couple of his guys and and he says, go find my cousin Jesus and ask him, are you the one? You see, the problem is when we encounter darkness, it's, it's very common to allow the darkness to settle over us. Have you been around negative people and, you know, you feel really positive if something's really good going to happen. And you get around somebody who's just a negative Nelly, and, and all they can say is the naysayers and complaining and, and carry on, and, and it doesn't look good. And, and the more they talk, the, the more you go, you know, you're, you're right. It's not good. Just turn on the TV. You'll get that encouragement a lot. And, and if you allow the darkness to overtake you, it'll make you discouraged, it'll make you confused, the negativity will make you depressed, and and some people even get suicidal at moments like that, if the darkness is is really thick. So John, John it it needs some light. He's in a dark spot, besides the fact that prison's dark. He's in a dark place. He needs to be encouraged so he can endure with faith what is about to happen to him. And we know what happens to him as he gets killed, his head gets cut off. Herodias' daughter dances for Herod and he's too embarrassed to not give her what she wants and she wants the head of John the Baptist on a silver plate. Now Jesus is fully aware of what's going on with John and what's going on in John's mind. Because to have somebody come to him and say, are you the one? It's obvious that person's going through a crisis, crisis moment. And out of love for John, he responds. But I want you to see him. Remember, put that verse 11 up there again, would you? What does he say about John? Verse 11. Uh, yeah, there you go. There's never been anybody born in this world that is greater than John the Baptist. Wow. What a, what a testimony, right? 
John has done the Lord's work. He's fulfilled his calling. And now he's suffering because of it. But then Jesus says the remarkable part is is the last half of that. But the very least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than this person, the greatest who has ever lived. The lowest slave, the most penniless pauper, if they are a believer in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, they are greater than the greatest man who ever lived. Catch that? No matter what you've got, who you are, if you're in the kingdom, you are greater than the greatest human being that was ever born prior to Jesus. Try to wrap your head around that a little bit. Okay. Maybe you don't have much in this world. Maybe you're working at a job that's really beneath your skill set. Maybe you're struggling to make ends meet. You don't, you're a person without any real influence in your life or in this world. And yet Jesus says to you, you are, if you are in the kingdom of God, greater than the greatest man who ever lived. You're greater. You're greater. Why is that? Because you and I are seated in Christ. We are seated in the heavenly realm. The enemy is under our feet. We are children of the most high God. We are heirs to the greatest treasure, the greatest promises ever made. We are royal, a royal priesthood, heirs to all the kingdom of God has. We may not have much in this world, but we have the authority of heaven flowing through us. We are more than conquerors because Christ in us is greater than everything else in this world. As big as John the Baptist was in the world, the least in the kingdom is greater than he was. Wow. And so John's disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, are you the one or should we look someplace else? And Jesus answered, and what did he say to him? He said, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. What were they seeing and hearing? They were seeing the kingdom of God being manifested all in front of them. The lame were walking, the deaf were hearing, the blind were seeing, the dead were being raised. But it was more than that. We see, we, I, and, and I'm just as guilty. We focus in on the miracles, but you know what? A lot more than that was, being, was happening. A lot more. Signs and wonders and miracles, demons are fleeing, okay? Heaven was being manifested, exhibited on this earth by Jesus and his disciples every single day. You see, heaven is not someplace you just go when you're dead. It's a place that you're supposed to be living in right now. Where are we seated? In the heavenly places. I don't grasp the totality of that, and I don't think we ever will. But we're in Christ. Christ is in us. Heaven is here in me. I am a carrier of the third person of the Trinity. We've talked about that. Right? As believers, we are required to show the world heaven. 
here, in our homes, in our schools, on our job, you know, wherever we are, in our communities, and all around the world, I declare that the kingdom of God is breaking out. It's being manifested. Fake videos on Facebook aside, miracles are happening. The God of all creation is invading this earth with his heavenly precepts. And it's occurring because people of the kingdom are daring to reach out in love to those around us. We, that we were just singing that. We, we dare to reach out to our neighbors and tell them about Jesus. We dare to just reach out, forget even tell them about Jesus. We live our lives as, as expressions of Jesus. Lord, that we're kind and we're compassionate. We love people. We, we minister to people. We care what happens to other people. Coworkers, we pray for because why? Because God is love. He is love. Sometimes in the, in the concept of trying to get across the fact that God is supernatural, we have forgotten also that he's given us a supernatural capacity to love even unlovely people. God so loved the world that he gave us to Jesus. The most enduring sign that we can give this world is the way we live and we operate in this world. Our lives lived out in front of the world might be the only light they will ever see in this dark place. How we live is an expression of who we are. People are more concerned, not about your words, but about your actions, the way you work, the way you operate. And what we are do, what are we called to do? We're called to manifest the kingdom here on earth. That means that when we encounter the darkness, we dispel the darkness of hate with the light of his love. When you encounter hateful people and, and, and people just being, oh, you know, I want to tell you what. Without Jesus, the world is mean. How do we respond to mean? Love, kindness, gentleness. When we encounter the darkness of depression, we dispel it with the light of the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We don't give in to it, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. No. We, 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 we tell them something different. We, we display it. We're happy when the rest of them are sad. When they're all around us is chaos and confusion, we walk in peace. How is that possible? Well, let me tell you why it's possible. When the rest of the world is angry and, and frustrated, we're, we're not anxious. We've got the peace of God. When, when, when everybody around us is filled with fear, we say, no, you know what? God can take care of it. We walk in faith. Are you with me? When, when, people, when people are just saying, you know, I, you know, they say there's no hope. Oh, you know what? I serve a God of hope. Amen. I serve a God who is bigger than this creation, who made all of us. And I tell you the truth, there is hope. There is hope. Don't know how it's going to happen. Don't know how it's going to come, but there's hope. There's always hope because Jesus Christ hears me when I pray. I, I, I belong to him, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm carrying the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we, we cannot 
If we're going to manifest the kingdom, we cannot allow the emotions that are running rampant around us to overwhelm that kingdom that is within us. We come from another place. I know we're, some of us are a little stranger than others, but you know, we belong to a different kingdom. And and I don't really know how to make that understandable because look, I know we live in this life and we face with all these things and, you know, but at the end of the day, they've got to see Jesus. We are called to display the kingdom. We're called to display the the healing, the joy, the peace, the, the love, the grace, the mercy, all those things to this world and the power and the power. We are called to show this world our faith by our words of faith, by our acts of love, by our gentleness and mercy and the fear of their anger, I mean, in the face of their anger and fear and all those other things. We, we live in trust and faith while the whole rest of the world lives in sarcasm and cynicism. I mean, I, 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 we stopped watching comedies on TV years ago because the only thing that they know how to do is tear each other down, and that's a joke. Cut, cut, cut cut. Cynicism, 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 sarcasm. You know what? The world doesn't need to see that from us. They need to see words of peace, words of joy, words of happiness, words of gentleness, words of kindness, words of respect. They can get enough of that other stuff someplace else. So Jesus tells John's disciples, watch me. I'll show you who I am. Watch me. He said, go back and tell John what you what, see and hear. I want you to turn to the book of John, chapter 10. And, and he says this again to, his, to some of the Jews that were gathered around him in the temple. And the Jews surrounded him and said, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Are you the one? <laughs> are you the Messiah? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. I'm tired of your parables, Jesus. And Jesus says, verse 25, I did tell you, and you still don't believe. The works that I do testify. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. What were his works? The works of the kingdom are evidence of who I am. Do you know the works that you do, the lives that you live are evidence of who you belong to? If you have fits of rage, then you don't belong to the kingdom of God. If somebody cuts you off and you flip them a finger, that's not exactly showing them the kingdom, at least the kingdom that I want to belong to. Jesus says, the works that I do testify about me. See, your lives testify about you. The words of your mouth, your actions, your attitude. What are they supposed to see? They're supposed to see the kingdom being manifested through us. I know we make mistakes, 
But unless we work the works of the kingdom in this world, the world has no reason to believe in Jesus. If we can't be better than this world, if we have to look like them in order to get people to like us, then, you know, then we're, we're done. How will they believe? We are evidence of the gospel. We are evidence of a heaven. John was called to a ministry to prepare the way of the Lord. And he got sent to prison for his efforts. But the one he was preparing the world for, the one who was coming came to set the prisoners free. A lot of people are in the prison of sin, the prison of discouragement and depression and despair. And a lot of people are living in the prison that they have made. They're prisoners of their past. Even people who come to Christ have a hard time because I know what I used to be. But you can, can I tell you something? Don't let the devil give that lie to you. You are not who you used to be. You're a new creature. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And possibilities in front of you are endless and boundless. And the world needs to see people who are set free by the power of the, of the resurrection in their lives. A lot of people in those places of darkness are there because of their mistakes, their lack of knowledge, their fear, their hate. Put them in those dark places. Jesus came to, to show a, a light, to lead them out of darkness into the... You know what Jesus came to do? He came to lead a jailbreak, somebody said. He didn't come to pad your prison walls. He came to lead a jailbreak. He came to manifest the kingdom. So he's telling John's disciples, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. I came to set the prisoners free. I came to reconcile people to the real father, to to my father, to show them, you know, to show them who God is. And I'm gonna tell you something this morning. Even the least of us in this room, in the kingdom, have as much power as Jesus had. Try it over here. Even the least of us in this room or in the kingdom have the same power as the one who came to set the prisoners free. You're greater than John. You're heirs with Jesus Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. You have more than enough power. See, here's the thing. Well, you know, I, I, you know, we don't have much, and I don't feel like I got much to offer. And I want to tell you, you have, you have all the power you need to accomplish the calling that God has placed on your life. And I tell you this morning, God has a calling on your life. He has a ministry for you. He has a job for you. You have enough power at your disposal to accomplish the task that God has set before you because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have something John the Baptist did not have. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. 
Go back to Matthew 11, if you would, for me. Matthew 11, 6, I think I've got you up there. So, uh, Verse 6. Okay. And Jesus says, If anyone is not offended because of me, he's blessed. What he's, what he's trying to do, he's trying to encourage John. Don't be offended because of me. Don't lose hope, John. Don't, don't lose sight of the fact that I am the Messiah, that I'm the one who's coming. I, I'm the one in fulfillment of the revelation that you got. I am the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. John, don't lose sight of that. Don't become offended because of me, but rather stay the course. What he's trying to do is he's trying to drag John across the finish line. One of the greatest disappointments in my life is to see people start out with faith and zeal and they're on fire for God. And I think it's interesting you got that word this morning. And the problem is, is over time, I remember years ago, somebody said, you know, what we need to do is take all these new baby Christians and just kind of bottle them up, put them in a container somewhere and let them chill for a while. Let them mellow out so they're not quite so, because they're going to kill us because they're so excited for Jesus. You know, they're going to kill the rest of us. So what we need to do is just set them aside, let them calm down for a while and then bring them out and, and then we can live with them. And you know what the problem is? It should be the other way around. If you're, so, if you're offended because of somebody's zeal and passion for Jesus, if that upsets you, you need to say, what's wrong with me? Amen. I need to be like them, not the other way around. Amen. But my, my disappointment is to see people that start out that way, filled with excitement and passion and, and purpose and, and, and zeal. It just, you know, and, and later on, and they get tired. Life hits them. They lose some of that zeal. They lose some of that faith. They, maybe they sin. Maybe darkness came into their life and they give up. And they give in to the darkness. I know so many people. Well, not so many, but I know many people who I knew that were on fire for God back in the, you know, when we got saved. Um, uh, who are on fire with the Holy Ghost who are now not living for Jesus at all. I mean, you couldn't have picked more exciting people to be around than these people. And today, you hardly know they're saved and I'm not sure they are. That, that's why, put 2 Timothy 1, I said it earlier, 2 Timothy 1, 6 up there. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, Timothy's tired. He's been dealing with the church people. He's the bishop of Ephesus. And, and I want to remind you, Timothy, you fan in the flame. You stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the laying on of my hands. When I prayed for you, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You were filled with God. The Spirit of God came into you. You've been flowing out of you. You've been giving and giving and giving and giving. And now, Timothy, you got tired and the fire has gone down. And he says, now blow on it. Fan it in the flame. Stir it up. Get those embers white hot again. Put some more fuel on the fire. Feed the fire. 
And so he tells them to get back on track, get back fully on fire for God. Don't quit. Don't get tired. Don't get tired in doing right. That's what Galatians 6, 9 tells us. It says, um, put that up. Don't become weary in in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you faint not. In other words, don't quit just because things got tough, just because life smacked you in the face, just because there's a dark spot in your mind. John, don't quit believing I am the Messiah. He wants John and he wants us to finish well. Jesus is concerned that John may not finish his life in faith. Don't forget that revelation you got, John. But see, John didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do. John was facing death all alone. And he's discouraged, but we have no right to be. Jesus is in us. (laughs) I've seen it happen with so many people that get tired toward the end. I play golf with a bunch of old guys. I'm not, but they are. And I remember one day, I, I, was on a, I was a captain of the team. How that happened, it was a mistake. But anyway, we were cruising. I mean, we were playing over our heads. We were so far ahead that we couldn't get caught. We must have been, I think we were seven or eight under with three holes to play. That old home place. And the last three holes we had to play, two of them were par threes. I said, we got this. And I saw it, just the fatigue set into these guys. And as their captain, I didn't help them a whole lot. On the first par three, we all missed the green. I just hit it just off the edge, but we had kind of a long putt. I made a par, but the best score the rest of them had was a double bogey from three feet off the edge of the green. And we take the top three scores. So we lost four strokes in one hole. So now instead of being seven under, we're three under. The next hole was another par three. This was a little longer. And I hit it short in front of the green and we had a long chip and I got a bogey. And the best the other two guys did, other other two of the scores were, were double bogey. We lost five strokes on that hole. So now instead of being three under, we're two over. We play the last one. I hit the best drive of the day. It's a par four, but there's a hill. And I hit it so good, I hit it in the creek at the bottom of the hill. (laughs) Never been there in my entire life. Never hit a ball that good. The best score we got was my bogey. And we went from being seven under three holes back to seven over in three holes. 14 strokes we lost in three holes. Trust me, we didn't win a thing. But you know why? Guys were tired. I could see it in them. I was trying to encourage you. Come on, guys, we can do it. We can do it. And they're just going. (laughs) It was 95 degrees out. It was hot. The humidity was probably about the same. They were done. They were done. They were drained. Can I tell you that finishing well is important? Even when you're tired. Even when the world is mean. We've got to still manifest his love even when I don't feel like it. I've got to manifest his mercy, his peace, his hope, his kindness. 
You see, it wasn't just the miracles. We get so caught up, yeah, the lame, lame walk and the deaf hear and the blind see. It wasn't just the miracles that Jesus was pointing to. He says, look at me. What do you see? You see supernatural love. You see supernatural grace. You see supernatural kindness. In the face of adversity, in the face of meanness, he was still kind. He had compassion for the people as, as sheep without a shepherd. The supernatural power was great, but it was also the way he lived his life. They're all, they were, all of those things, the, the supernatural kindness and love and the mercy and the gentleness and meekness and patience. Oh my goodness. There's one I haven't mentioned. Patience. Can you believe the patience of Jesus to put up with his disciples? To put up with church folk, I love you. They're signs of his anointing. They're signs of our anointing. You see, the only people, the only hope those people who are living in the prisons of their past, the only hope that those people have, uh, you know, who are trapped in the darkness of their lives, the prisons of their minds, prisons of despair, is what we show them when we manifest the kingdom of God in front of them. But if we get caught up, one of the things that I think that affects people, especially if you've been, you know, it was discouraging to look at that video and then find out it was a fake the other night. I was so excited. That woman's arm went, wow, it was, it was miraculous. And I apologize for sure. I was going to show it to you today, but then I checked it out and it was fake. She's gone from, she has a deformity and she's able to manipulate that arm and, and, make, it, and make it do that. But you see, if you get caught up in what has not happened, how many times did you pray for something that didn't happen? How many times did you pray for somebody that died? If you get caught up hmm, in what has not happened, you won't be able to help those around you. And you won't be able to finish well. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come up. I'm going to close. I have a story. It's from the, from the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And here's, here's the problem. You've got plenty of time, guys, because I'm, I'm a little ahead of myself here. But. So in John chapter 5, verse 1, after this, a Jewish festival took place. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem like every good Jewish male three times a year, and he came to the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, and there's a, there's a pool and the pool is called Bethesda in Hebrew. And it has five columns, colonnades, porches that surround the pool. And within these porches lay a large number. Say large number. How many? A lot of people there. How many people? Large. A lot of people. There's, I'm saying it for a reason. And um, there were sick Blind, lame, paralyzed, and they're waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. And the first one who got in after the water was stirred up was healed from whatever sickness they had. And there was a man there who had been sick for 38 years. Wow. And Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew he'd already been there a long time. He said, 
Do you want to get well? He asked the sick man laying by a pool waiting for an angel to show up if he wants to get well. He said, sir, the sick man said, I, I don't have anybody to put me down into the pool when, when the water stirred. Because while I'm trying to get up, somebody goes down ahead of me. Jesus said what? Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, started to walk. Now that day happened to be a Sabbath day. So Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And the Jews are all upset because he did something, he did some work on the Sabbath. So, catch this. Jesus healed one lame man at the pool. And then Jesus walked away. How many other people were waiting at that pool? A large number. 10, 15, 20, 50, I don't know. Jesus only healed how many? Why? Well, if you listen to John MacArthur or somebody like him who tells you that women can't be in ministry, did you notice how many women we had up here in ministry? We ordained women. But if you listen to somebody like that, they would tell you because it wasn't God's will to heal all the rest of them. He only healed one. And so they, they've even created a theology to go along with that. There's a reason, yeah, it's not, not God's will. They have to know the answer why. Why didn't Jesus heal all the rest of them? So in order to deal with that, they have to come up with a theology. Well, it must not have been his will. Why weren't they all healed? You know what the answer is? I don't know. Did you know I don't know is okay? And I'm gonna tell you something, it doesn't really matter why they weren't healed. Maybe, I thought about that a lot. Maybe it's just because that Jesus came and his attention, he's, think of it for a second. Jesus was a man a human being filled with the Spirit of God. Yes, he was totally God, but he could, how many places could Jesus be in at one time? Just one. So maybe, just maybe, Jesus, as he's walking by there, the Spirit of God, maybe just turned his eyes and he saw a man there, and of course he has a word of knowledge. That man's been there and laying there a long time, and he feels drawn to that man, and he goes to him, and he asks him a question, do you want to get well? And the man expresses a, a, a really an excuse as to why he hasn't been. But he was there at one moment, in one place, at one time with one man. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, when I leave here, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and you're going to do you're going to do. You're going to do even greater works than I do because I'm going to the Father. If there were 50 people laying around that pool, what would happen if 50 of you showed up to those people in the pool? Might they all be healed? That's what I think. Because I don't believe for a second that it wasn't God's will to heal them all. But it was, he, Jesus is our model. 
He's the one showing us. He saw that man and had compassion on him. His love reached out for him and he walked over to him and raised him up. The Holy Spirit is in you. That same spirit that, that motivated Christ is in us. And by extension, we, we're called into this whole world. Can you imagine now, that's a fifth, can you imagine? I read a statistic, I said it the other day, there are 70, approximately 70 million Assemblies of God believers, or, or people that, are, that go to Assembly of God churches around the world today. Can you imagine if 70 million people walked out of their church today in the same spirit, the same power into their community and walked out in the love of God and the mercy of God and showed the world Jesus? Now multiply at times all the other denominations. What could happen? The whole world could be saved in a day. If God's people would dare to manifest the kingdom of love and mercy and grace and power wherever they go. I, I think Jesus had compassion on one person. He's a human being. He, he saw that. He saw the need until he tried to fill it. Maybe he's trying to show us what a model looks like. If you see one, go to that one. Reach out in love to them. Because even the least of you are greater than the greatest man who was ever born before Jesus, John the Baptist. The kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in us. And the kingdom needs to be manifested in this world in love and grace and power. It's waiting. The, the world is waiting for the sons of God to be manifested. <laughs> to show the patience that comes from a supernatural relationship with God. To show the joy because I have a life that's filled with joy because I, I, I've drawn close to the Father. Jesus was trying to get John's attention back to the truth. He wanted him to finish well. Jesus was the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. If I focus on what didn't happen or why it wasn't God's will for this to happen, I will be unable to function in a life of faith, a life of love, a life of power, a life of grace because my doubt will overwhelm it and my doubt will put out the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ inside of me. And I could even lose my faith altogether and I, and, and I might not even finish the race at all that God set before me. Jesus is telling John, don't get tired. Don't get offended for me. Even when you don't see what you think you should see, try it anyway. Manifest the kingdom. Love people. Show them Jesus. Because you see, I want to close with this last verse, Galatians 5.22 is what I've been preaching about today, really. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. How do I know you have the Holy Spirit in you? Because out of you flows love. Out of you flows joy and peace. Out of you flows patience and kindness and goodness and faith and gentleness and self-control self-control against those things nothing can hold it back god is love god is patience god is peace are you and i manifesting his kingdom his joy his peace his hope his patience with your spouse with your children 
with the people you work with, with the people you go to school with? Are we living with joy or discouragement? Are we a naysayer or are we speaking the positive word of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we always believe the negative report? Are we always encouraging the negative or do we see with eyes of faith? Over the last couple nights as we did that pumpkin festival, I don't mean this in a, in a, in a, please don't misunderstand my heart. Everyone could come to that thing. But you don't think the rich people in this town were coming to that pumpkin festival, do you? They're certainly welcome. They got money to go to Disney World. You know, a family of seven to go to Disney World just to get in will cost you close to $1,000. But there's a whole world of people out there who think they're the least, who don't have much, and need to see the love of God, need to see the joy of the Lord, need to have some hope, need to see people of faith. That's why we do that, to show them Jesus. I know the drama's corny, and. You know, the, the games are kind of small, but we're, we're, we do it out of love. And if you can enjoy that, God bless you. We want to just show you Jesus. That's why those guys were so insistent about giving away free hot dogs. Some people don't have a dollar for a hot dog. Thank you, guys. And it worked out. There's a hurting, needy world. Our prayer tent was packed the first night. I wasn't here last night. I heard we had more people. We had five or six people make a commitment to Jesus Christ. We've been sowing for years out, out on this parking lot. Before we did that, we did trip to hell and hell house. And, you know, but we haven't seen a lot of fruit of it. This week, we saw fruit. We give God the praise. But the people need around us need to see Jesus in us. Jesus told his John's disciples, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. You hear love coming out of my mouth. You hear kind words coming out of my mouth. And you see a display of the power. We should be living intentionally, intentionally manifesting to the world the kingdom of God in all its glory. Because when we do that, we set the agenda. I'm tired of the devil setting the agenda. I declare it is time for the church to set the agenda in the power of the Holy Spirit that rather than react to the darkness, like I said last week, we set an atmosphere where miracles can happen, where joy can happen, where love manifests because we are called to manifest the kingdom of God in our lives to that world intentionally. Are you living intentionally with the understanding that you are to display the love, joy, peace, gentleness, mercy, faith, kindness, self-control, patience to the world and to your families and to our community by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching on live stream, we welcome you. 
We came to the altar this morning to repent maybe of lukewarmness, but if there, is there anyone here this morning that needs to say, Pastor, I want to get right with Jesus. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. Why don't you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus this morning. I want to get right with God. It's important to me to be right with the Lord. Anybody need to make that confession of faith today? If you're watching a live stream and that's you, just say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and help me live for you. Help, help me to experience the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. Help me to experience the, 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 just the hope to push out the darkness in my life. Let the light of Jesus come in. Father, I, I pray, for, just stand to your feet with me this morning. I pray for the body of Christ. We believe in miracles. Not only do we believe it, we believe it's God's will. We believe that Shelly Patterson is healed. We believe that Lindley Albright is healed. We believe that Rachel Roberson is healed. We believe that Cleta Cranford is healed. We believe that Ruby is healed. We believe the kingdom of God is here. We believe we're supposed to exhibit that compassion empathy, joy, and peace with the words of our mouth, the actions of our lives, and the faith that comes from knowing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as children of God. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing of love for your people. I pray that they will set aside their own, their own needs. I know people are needy and they're hurting, but Lord, if we'll give out of our need, I believe that you'll give back to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over. If we need love in our life, if we need friends in our life, we need to be a friend. We need to reach out in love. We need to do those things. And Lord, you'll take care of our needs. Father, manifest the kingdom through your people this week and beyond. Let heaven invade earth. You don't have to be dead to be in heaven. You have to walk in it. You have to live in it. You have to exhibit it. And all God's people that receive it say amen. Amen, amen. So what are we going to do this week? We're going to reach out to the people around us that we come in contact with, with the love of God, with kindness and mercy to manifest the kingdom. And the power of God will flow into them and they will see Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And all God's people that receive it, say amen. I bless you. You're the head and not the tail. You're blessed going in and coming out. You're blessed with all you put your hand to do. You're walking in the divine favor of God. You are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ to every promise he has made. You are children of the most high God. He loves you. Your families are blessed. Your marriages are blessed. Your children are blessed. Your finances are blessed. Your jobs are blessed. You are the blessed of God. In Jesus' name, amen.